When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bruins Beat for CLNS Radio. My name is Michael Setapani, and I'm along with my co-host, Jason Buckley. How are you doing today, Jason? Good. It's uh, hockey season. We're just ready to go. Yeah, I'm very excited. The hockey season is back. I needed it back in my life. Oh, same here. You know, it's the probably the best six months of my life, minus the cold weather up north. <laughs> Absolutely. Minus the cold weather, but what can you do? That comes with playing hockey. Yeah, there's no complaints there. All right, so I wanted to get right into it here. There's a lot to talk about with this Bruins team and a lot of Bruins rumors out there. So I want to start off with uh, Claude Julian. And Claude Julian was, oof, man, this whole summer was about Claude Julian and will he stay, will he be fired, what's going on with Julian, will he change his system, will he not change his system. Don Sweeney decided to keep him. And I wanted to get your thoughts on if you think Claude Julien going into this year is on the hot seat. You know what? And I've been back and forth with this. I've been saying for a while I think he is on the hot seat. But I've also watched the way the Bruins have played in the last couple of games. And I've noticed a lot of improvement between the last four games and the first three games. Um, I think Julien is doing a better job. I think he's learning how to make the adjustments in-game, as we saw last night. And we'll discuss that more. But it's a toss-up. I think if the team keeps playing hard, he'll definitely still be here, even if they don't make the playoffs. Right. Well, uh, I thought it was interesting when Cam Neely got interviewed, and he said that it wasn't fair for Julian to be put on the hot seat, that he should be able to coach freely and do what he does, which I thought was very promising for Julian. But I also think he's. I also think he is on the hot seat because last year they didn't make the playoffs. It was probably their, one of their worst years since Julian's been here. I think there's a lot of pressure on Julian this year to get to the playoffs, change his system, and show Sweeney and Neely that he can do that. There is definitely a lot of pressure, especially because last year the team played with a lot of complacency. Um, I think considering the fact that this is, this is a much younger team with a lot of personnel turnover, if Julian can get them to play hard every single night and get the, t- the players to put in the effort, I think that will make a difference. Yeah, it would absolutely make a difference because you know, Julian needs to get his players ready to go because last year, like you said, they were too complacent. There were certain games where they wouldn't show up, where you'd be like, there's no effort. What are they doing out there? And it was just a bad, bad year last year. But it's good to see that the Bruins are a little bit getting back to their ways. We Obviously, we'll get into that, get into that later. 
But uh, another big uh, item that we all wanted to get to was Chara and Seidenberg starting the year injured. And I thought that was horrible news for Bruins fans because that's your two best defensemen starting the year not playing on the opening night roster, which leaves gaping holes in the Bruins' defense. Well, you know, you've seen it over the last two weeks or so. But, you know, having Chara and Seidenberg out definitely changes things. I do think the way Chara played last night and the way the team's playing that Seidenberg being out could be a blessing in disguise for this team. Um, you know, with the way the young players are playing, the way that the defensemen are developing, it opens up for possible trade ideas later on into the season. Absolutely. It gave younger players the opportunity to step right in, show the coaches and show management that they could actually play. Exactly, and that's what you want to see. And if the team keeps playing the way they played last night throughout the next two months until Seidenberg returns, they're going to make it very, very difficult for the management to send them down. And that is where, you know, the transactions really start to happen. Yeah, I agree. But also, you don't want your two best defensemen on, on injured to start the year. No, you don't. Not at all. But... I think the Bruins fared well on that. And then also during the games this year, Marshan had a concussion. Bolesky right now is dealing with an upper body injury. So the Bruins have been nicked up to start the year. You know, I think you saw a little bit of that last night in the game. You know, when the Bruins lost to Philly on, which day was that Philly game? I watched track of the days. That was on this past Wednesday. That was Wednesday. That's right. Wednesday. Um, you know, they gave up that two-goal lead. It looked like they just pretty much quit playing in the third period. And can't do that. But Bolesky is a difference maker. He is another body on the ice. And the Bruins need him. Right, so it was good to see that Marshawn's concussion was not as serious as originally thought. Because when Marshawn first got it, the reports was Marshawn's out indefinitely. And I think that would have been a huge loss for the Bruins. Marshawn's led the team in goals last year. He's a nice... Gritty forward, he plays really well with Bergeron. I think if you lost Marshan for an extended period of time, it would have really hurt this team. And Marshan is another player who you've heard countless times come up in trade rumors. Um, right, we'll get to that. In, we'll get to that in a second, Jason. Don't get ahead of yourself here. No, I won't. Um, but you know, he he has made a difference. He's made a difference so far this season. He's kind of been more of that pest that we were looking for. But he's managed to keep his edge as well, and it's been very fun to watch the way he's played. I think he's done a lot better to start the season than he did last year. Absolutely, and uh, Bleski, obviously he was on the top line with Krejci. He has an upper body injury. He hasn't played in the last two games. We don't really know the severity of his injury. He skated and made the trip to Brooklyn last night, which is always a good sign. But the Bruins had dealt with a lot of injuries to top-end players early on this year. Yes, and you know, with Arizona coming up on Tuesday, you know, that might, that might be another game in which you should just sit him, let him rest, let him come back Friday against Florida where you got a tougher game. Right, that, that could be a decision that will come down to Julian, but I think if Bluffkey is ready to go, then he should be in the lineup because that's what you signed him in the offseason for. To play, you know, absolutely, unless if this team's really playing and making the playoffs and they want to rest their best players. But I think that if he is ready, he'll, he will play. But with Arizona being the winnable game, I don't think they'll try to rush him back. Yeah, I agree. But also, speaking of Steinberg earlier on, uh, there was reports from people on the from the Boston Globe, and then after practice on Wednesday, 
Julian reiterated that Seidenberg has been skating, which I think is great news. That is great news, you know. Let him start skating, let him get his conditioning back. And again, Seidenberg is another one who needs to take his time and get healthy because the Bruins need to think long term. Absolutely, and Seidenberg has been no stranger to injuries lately. He tore his ACL. Now he's coming off back surgery. I think it's. I don't think it's time right now to rush Seidenberg. No, you know Seidenberg's a player that's getting older. They signed Peter Shirelli signed him to a four-year contract, and you know he needs to be worth it. Absolutely, and to get him to be fully healthy and fully right would be the best. Would be the would be best for the Bruins because he's a he plays a lot of minutes. He plays tough. He plays hard, and he's gonna get injured. It would, he's going to get banged up with like a few minor injuries here and there. So to have him at full strength would be great. I agree. And um, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out after Seidenberg comes back. Right, because changes. absolutely, because the young young defensemen right now are playing pretty well. They're improving. And it'll be interesting to see who Claude Julian and Sweeney sit down when Seidenberg returns. But obviously that's not for a little bit because when Claude Julian stated that Seidenberg was skating with the conditioning coach. He said that he's still not close to a return. No, you know, they said th- they said closer towards Thanksgiving, and I think that they should stick to that timeline. Um, you know, it's always great that players come back early, but you saw it. We've seen it with many players. that They come back early, they get re-injured, and you really don't want that. Yeah, absolutely, especially in October here. We don't need him in October right now. Let him get his rest. Let him build up his strength and be in the best hockey shape he can be. So that way, when you're trying to make a playoff push down the line, you'll have him at his best. Exactly. So I think that's the best thing to do for Seidenberg right now is to just let him get healthy, let him let him do what he has to do, and once he's ready ready to go, get him right back in there. No, definitely let him go and let him just play the way he plays and get back into game shape. I mean, we've got a long season ahead of us. And in other news, Joe Morrow returned from injured reserve last night as well. Yeah, I actually completely forgot about Joe Morrow, so I'm glad you brought that up. I uh, must have missed him in my pre in, uh, my pre-show notes here. So that was interesting. Joe Morrow was, was put on IR. He didn't play the past few games. So it was good to see that Joe Morrow was back in the lineup. He was one of the components in the Tyler Sagan trade. So it's good to see that Morrow was getting some time. No, and you know he needs that time. He played a relatively solid game last night. I was very impressed with the way he played. Right, and uh, I think Joe Morrow was very sick, and he had the flu. But it's great that he's back, too. Like I said earlier on, the Bruins have been decimated by injuries early on. The only the positive sign about these injuries is that there are not long-term injuries. Oh, I agree, for sure. Um, and the other news I had, Seth Griffiths, was brought back to the Providence Bruins as well. All right, yeah, Seth Griffin had a injury early on in training camp. He didn't participate in the last few weeks. So it's good to see that he's back, get him in uh, Providence, so hopefully he can get some games under his belt. And if the Bruins need him, they can always bring him up. He was here last year for a few games. And I think the Bruins know what they have in Seth Griffin. They have a, they have a solid young player, and he's going to be another name who I think that when we go talk trade at some point, his name's going to come up. Yes, I think his name will come up too, but it'll be interesting to see how he fares this year. I know last year he played a lot, a decent amount of games for the Bruins, so it'll be interesting to monitor him. Um, lastly, in, in the news and roundup of the Bruins, I want to discuss Ronaldo's hit on Sean Couturier. 
the NHL stated that he will not be suspended. And I wanted to get your input on what you thought of the Ronaldo hit. You know, when I watched the video, and I did watch the video, I'm really paying attention to it. I think that the NHL had a good point. They were not going to suspend him based on his reputation. They were giving him that chance to improve. And I thought that the hit, the hit although he, his elbow did hit Couturier's head, I thought the hit was pretty solid, that he wasn't trying to deliver an aggressive hit to hurt Couturier, that it was just a solid hit. Right, and I don't think it was, um, I don't think he was trying to in- injure Couturier as well. Couturier did leave the ice with an injury and did not return, but I watched the play. Couturier had his head down the whole time. Ronaldo made contact with his shoulder, and maybe he got Couturier's head a little bit. And I don't like Ronaldo, personally, and I'm about to go on a big rant about Ronaldo in a second, but I just did not think that hit was suspensionable. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think that it was a smart call to not suspend him. I thought that, you know, that game misconduct was enough at that point to give Ronaldo the chance because Ronaldo's been playing thought. He hasn't really shown the aggressive style to injure like he used to. Right, but I still do not know why Zach Ronaldo is on this Bruins team. Don Sweeney gave up a third-round pick for Ronaldo. Ronaldo is not a goal scorer. He's barely scored in his NHL career. He's been on a fourth line for almost his entire career. He's a rat. He's a, he's a dirty player. Granted, he hasn't played dirty this year, and that hit on Couturier was his first penalty of the year. I just can't believe that Zach Ronaldo is on this Bruins team. It just doesn't make sense to me. It does not add up. No, it kind of makes you wonder what Sweeney's really trying to do. Absolutely, and I just cannot believe that he's on this team. And I get it. You lost Sean Thornton. You want to replace him with a gritty fourth-line player who will stick up for his teammates. But that is not Zach Ronaldo. It is not him. Ronaldo and Thornton are not comparable players. I would take Sean Thornton 10 times out of 10 over Zach Ronaldo. Oh, any day, Sean Thornton's a leader. And that's why that fourth line worked so well. Because Sean Thornton could lead. He had the energy. Gregory Campbell worked well together. You know, that's why the Bruins played so well in 2011 was because of Sean Thornton's leadership. It's only a matter of time before Ronaldo actually hits someone dirty and gets suspended because he's been suspended before. It's not like there's no secret with Ronaldo. He's one of those players that plays on the edge, plays on the line, and he's going to toe that line, and one game is going to come back and bite him. I can already see it. Ronaldo has, it, Ronaldo has a hearing. Ronaldo suspended for four games. I just don't get why he's on this team. Well, even if he does get suspended, I don't really think that it will affect the team too much. They'll just plug in another player in that fourth line and just go. Exactly, Jason. That's my point. If they'll just plug in another player and go. So I don't get why Sweeney gave up a third-round pick. I still cannot wrap my brain around that one. No, okay, you have a good point. I just Not don't get it. Maybe Sweeney wants that edge, and he, maybe he's hoping that Ronaldo will change. Yeah, maybe, but I think that was Sweeney's worst trade of the offseason was getting Zach Ronaldo. Because with Tyler Randall stepping up, and I, I know they still have Talbot, who hasn't really been playing, but what does Zach Ronaldo do that Talbot doesn't do? Except maybe have an energy shift where he hits one player, like he did with Couturier, which he still got ejected for. You know, that's a good question, and I think maybe they're going to play age into this because maybe there's another point where they're trying to save Talbot a little bit towards the end of the season so that if we do make the playoffs, we have Talbot for playoff leadership and we can throw Talbot in there and he'll play better. It could be something like that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Sorry, I got a little fight up there with Ronaldo. No, it's all good. 
But I, I do the same thing. Absolutely. But I want to transition here into uh, breaking down the Bruins games this year. The Bruins are three and four right now. The, a lot to talk about to get to these games, and I want to start right away with Winnipeg. Get your thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets game. You know, um, I go to a lot of Bruins games. I was at this game. I thought the Bruins started out strong, but they shut down. Uh, you know, first three games of the year, they didn't have the legs on them. They didn't seem like they were prepared. Um, you know, it was kind of what you expected. Yeah, I agree, but I also thought the first period, the Bruins came out like gangbusters. Wow, they were flying. I, I was watching the game, and I said, wow, this is the best I've seen the Bruins look in quite some time. There was energy. There was passion. They were playing for one another. They were, they, they were flying out there. No, they were, you know. The two goals they scored, even passed from that school, you could tell they were ready to go um, in the first period. But the second period starts, and you give up the... Um, the rushes and Rask wasn't making the right stops, and sooner or later you got six to two as a final. Yeah, and that game was just so irritating and frustrating that the Bruins played so well in the first period, and they only left the first period one to nothing when they had so many chances to score. They could have easily had that game three nothing after the first period, and that gives the Bruins an extra confidence and says, "Hey, look, we're here to play. Three nothing lead." Usually usually teams do not blow 3 nothing leads. The Bruins needed to capitalize on their opportunities in the first period because they knew that Winnipeg was going to make adjustments and start playing. No, exactly. And, um, you know, I guess that's what's disappointing about it. But I also kind of try to keep in mind that Winnipeg was a playoff team last year, and they still have a really good team. You can tell from the way they started the season. So maybe that loss wasn't a fluke. No. Maybe Winnipeg's really that good. Right. Well, I know Winnipeg's a good team. But the Bruins usually do not give up six goals. That's unbruin-like, and I thought that was atrocious on the defensive end. It's not Tuka-like either. Tuka Rask doesn't give up six goals, but if you look at the way he's played, the four of the three of the four of the games that he's played, he's been awful so far this year. Right, and Tuka Rask did not have a strong game here too. I also think that the Bruins' defense was did not play up to up to their potential. Matt Irwin was dressed for this game, and since. And Matt Irwin is now back in Providence because the Bruins did not think he could play. So the Bruins' defense was hurting. Like I said earlier, there was no Chara. There was no Seidenberg. The Bruins were adjusting to young players. Their number one defenseman was Adam McQuaid. So when that Adam McQuaid's your number one defenseman, that does not bode well for the team. I also just think the Bruins shut down in the third period. The Winnipeg was up 3-1. to one. Passion scores make it, makes it 3-2. to two. And then next shift, I think Winnipeg scored. And then once the Winnipeg made it 4-2, to two, the Bruins just stopped playing. It was like the Winnipeg, okay, you can have this game. We don't want to play anymore anyways. No, and that's the same quit you saw on this team last year, too, that they just didn't really play hard. Right. Anymore. They didn't really feel like they could come back. Yeah, and I thought it was going to be just like last year. Plenty of offensive opportunities to score, not capitalizing. The other team would come down, they would score, and then the Bruins would be like, okay, well, we can't score. Tuka Rask would say, okay, well, I have to put the team on my back, and if I let in a soft goal here and there, it's going to come back and bite me because I have to be perfect. And I was like, okay, here we go, same old Bruins, just like last year. Yeah, except they got better go- They have a better backup goaltender than their actual goaltender at the moment. <laughs> right, we'll get into that a little bit later on, but I also, uh, just that game was just so frustrating, and it was so Bruins-like for me. Like, so, and what I mean, so Bruins-like, like I said, last year, it looked exactly like the team from last year. 
No, they did. Um, you know, there was just that t- same complacent team, especially in that third period where they just shut down with about ten minutes to go. And I never seen that. I mean, I've never seen that before. Great that the Bruins have not shown up for games, but the Bruins just looked like they weren't trying. No, and you know what? The last time I saw that was probably two years ago when they played the Canadians. When the Canadians just totally shut them down, they didn't show up the entire game. Speaking of the Canadians, that was the Bruins' second game of the year. It was against their hated rivals up there in Montreal. It was another home game for the Bruins. Montreal coming to town. Montreal obviously was the second-best team in their Atlantic division last year. The Bruins have struggled with Montreal recently. The Bruins, I don't think, have won a game against Montreal in their past six games. So it was a lot of expectations for the Bruins to see how they would fare against their hate, their hated rival. And um, they obviously came out on the losing end again. And I want to get your breakdown of what you thought against Montreal. Well, you know, I thought the Bruins played a lot harder against Montreal. I was actually very impressed with that game because they fought and they battled. And I think that was what was important. I mean, they 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 were supposed to lose that game. Montreal is a better team. You've seen it the way Montreal's played so far to start the season, and you know it's just it was very impressive. The goals that the Bruins scored, and a lot of those goals got not a lot of them. A couple goals got called back. Right. I believe. Yes, Bergeron's Bergeron's goal got called back, or was it Erickson? Yes, Bergeron. It was it was, it was Bergeron. Bergeron. Yes. Yeah, and it didn't seem like the uh, the uh, linesmen or referee in the game were really on the side of the Bruins that game. Yeah, it didn't seem like that at all, but speaking of the Montreal game, Bolesky got his first goal as a Bruin, which I thought was always a positive sign to get your first goal out of the way so you can relax a little bit and just start playing hockey. It was interesting to see another first in this game was the introduction to the coach's challenge. And the NHL has allowed coaches to challenge a play, whether it's goalie interference or if the play was off sides. And Claude Julien used his challenge in this game. No, he did. No, um, I maybe it might not have been the best idea to use that challenge, but you know he had a decent point to use that challenge because a lot of people felt like Bert, the was the Bergeron who was, was in front, Bergeron of, Bergeron in front of the shot. It was Bergeron in front. Erickson was shot at. Yeah, that game was a couple weeks ago. I actually don't remember the exact play of it. But um, Erickson didn't really touch Carey Price. didn't really interfere with him. And a lot of people feel that yes, way. Yes, Berger- so. Bergeron was the one out front. And Bergeron tried to avoid Carey Price. He did not touch Carey Price. Zach, uh, Louis Erickson shot the puck. It went into the net. And the ref waved it off. I still don't understand why he waved it off. Claude Julien was furious at the call. And I don't blame him because... Bergeron was doing whatever it took for him to get out of the way, and he was pushed by the Montreal defenseman into Price, which he didn't even touch Price. So that, it was just, I just didn't understand. No, it's it's mind-boggling, but, you know, it is what it is. When you're playing hockey, you got to deal with the cause that are on the ice, and you got to push forward. Absolutely. I thought what was most important was the fact that the team fought back after that. Yeah, they did. They they battled back. They did what they could. They played to the to the end. Bergeron scored a power play goal late. Pacioretty scored an empty net goal to kind of put it away. Uh, Carey Price, what can you say about Carey Price? He's the best goaltender in the NHL. No, there's not another goaltender better than him. And um, unfortunately, I hate to predict this, but you will see him win a cup at some point in the near future. Yeah, he's just too good not to, huh? 
He is too good not to. I think he's got. I think he's developed to the point where he can put a team on his back. And you know, I hate to say it because I hope it's not with Montreal, but it's possible that it'll he'll win that cup of Montreal in the next three or four years, if not next year, if not this year. All right. So Montreal obviously looks strong again. Bruins now fall to zero and two on the year, back to back home losses, which isn't, which is not good because the Bruins are usually very tough at home. Claude Julien usually gets his matchups, puts Bergeron out there against the other team's best line, uses Krejci to develop offensive opportunities because he can put Krejci out there against the other center and not have him go against the shutdown defensive pair. So 0-2 to start the year, not what the Bruins were looking for, under Claude Julien, who I think was on the hot seat. So that brings us to the third game, which was against Tampa Bay, also at home. The Bruins opened the year with three straight home games, Tampa Bay, Obviously, just lost to Chicago Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup Finals. They returned pretty much their whole team. Tampa was being predicted to go back to the Stanley Cup or make it just as far Eastern Conference Finals. Tampa Bay is one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. I was excited to see if the Bruins would wake up and get their act together, especially playing against Tampa Bay. And they did for a little while. Again, for a little, again, um, for a little while. With David Krejci and Louis Jackson scoring power play goals. And this is where, you know, you've really started to notice that the power play has improved. It really has. The power play has proved, improved tremendously. I cannot remember the last time I've seen the Bruins score this many power play goals. And um, what's most important about that is the fact that the way that they pass in the puck. There's, they're quick passes coming off the sticks. They're constantly moving. And... That's why they're getting a lot of chances on the power play, and a lot of those chances are going in. Yeah, absolutely. So the Bruins actually scored three power play goals that game, all three of their goals coming on the power play. I can't remember the last time the Bruins scored three power play goals. It was a great to see. Like you said, they're moving the puck around. They have Krejci and Krug at the point, which I think is in, which I think is awesome. They have Bergeron in the, in the middle, kind of like waiting for a one-timer pass. They have Spooner on the half wall, who's also a great passer. And they have Erickson out front who knows what to do when he gets the puck on his stick down low. He can find the open lanes. He can tip the pucks well. So I think the power play work is working tremendous. Louis Erickson's been a pleasant surprise this season. Because we weren't, I wasn't expecting him to come out as fast as he has come out. Uh, but right, yeah. he's played great. He has played great. And the Bruins opened that game against Tampa Bay with a 2 nothing lead. And I'm going, awesome. Bruins are here to play. They're ready to go. And then and the end of the first period, and they give up two more. Right. So it's 15 minutes in, the Bruins are up 2 nothing, And I'm going, okay, great. Let's get to the period 2 nothing, regroup, not get too high, and then keep playing, keep battling. You're playing one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. You've got to keep this up. The Bruins look great. They're playing with Tampa Bay. They're out shooting them. They're all over them. And then all of a sudden, turnovers happen. And now it's 2-2 going into the first intermission. And I go, here we go again. No, it's like it's the same old song and dance with this team. Two goal lead and you give it up right away. Like being, and the Bruins, like beating a dead horse. And the, and the Bruins gave up that lead officially in the second period by going down to Tampa 3-2 with the Brian Boyle goal. And they did get it back. They did tie the game. They made it 3-3, three three, yeah. And Stamkos scores a power play goal. And in the third period, just Tampa Bay just let them have their will. Yeah, I think Tampa Bay wanted it more. Jonathan Drouin scored, I think, to make it 5-3, where Tugarask should have saved that puck. That was totally on Tugarask. You're in a one-goal game there. You cannot be giving up a soft goal. 
We need you to make a key save. The Bruins are in the game. It's 4-3, to three, and then he lets in the goal. The whole team gets deflated. It felt uh, for the former Detroit Red Wings. I keep on forgetting that he used to play in the Red Wings. Um, scored that goal with four minutes to go, and that pretty much put the dagger in. Absolutely put the dagger in. But like I said, the Bruins come out strong, finish horrible. It's, there was no common ground there. Why can't the, the Bruins have not put forth a 60-minute effort yet? And at this point, fans are saying, where are we going to get rid of Julian? Right, Julian. All fans have been talking about after those first three games. Absolutely. And I remember Julian in one of the press conferences he gave, a reporter asked him, do you feel like, you're, you feel like your, your job is up for grabs right now? And Julian was just like, next question. Because I, I don't blame yeah. him. Yeah, I wouldn't want to answer questions about my job security right now. I'm trying to coach this team to get better and win hockey games. Well, good news, they're not doing worse than the Blue Jackets at the moment. Right, we'll get to that get to that later on when we have our Around the NHL segment. But I want to transition to this road trip that the Bruins went on. So 0-3, they got bang, been outscored 16-7. to And that's the first time the Bruins have gone 0-3 for quite some time. And the Bruins are going on the road. They're going to Colorado and Arizona to play the Avalanche and the Coyotes. And I thought this was great for the Bruins to get away from home for a little bit. They started off rough, 0-3, so I thought it was good for them to get away. You know, uh, you saw a lot of the other players, not just the first two lines, really begin to break out against the Colorado Avalanche. I'm talking Jimmy Hayes, who had a big night. Four-point night. Kevin Miller, four-point night. Kevin Miller scored his first goal. Connolly got on the uh, point board, getting an assist. Char got on the point board. Tyler Randall scored his first goal as a Bruin. His first goal of his career, too. Jonas Gustafsson gets his first start for the Bruins. And he played solid. I thought Gustafsson played awesome because there were his opportunities for the Avalanche to score and generate some pressure and make it a different game. And I thought Gustafsson stand on his head for a few. And to see um, Gustafsson play the way he did, you would have hoped that the that would send a message to Tukarask that he needs to play a lot better if he wants to keep his job. Absolutely. So, like you said, that was a full team effort from the Bruins. They put up six goals, which is great to see because the Bruins' offense has been a little bit iffy in the first three games. They didn't have a even strength goal against Tampa Bay, and the other two games they only had they had a power play goal against Montreal. So that that was four power play goals in a row. So it's good to see that the Bruins are playing better five on five getting more pucks to the net. And I just thought Shower returning was a big relief to this Bruins team. No, and they played a lot better, and it was fun to watch, and I was really happy to see the way the team played. Yeah, the Colorado game was like a whole different team. No, exactly. You know, you saw that the team really started embracing the speed part of the game. Right. Because they're going to have to change. It is what it is. You're not that tough Bruins team anymore. The NHL is not a tough league anymore. It's about speed, speed, and who can go the fastest. Yeah, controlled at the same time. Right, but, but just like you said earlier on, Jimmy Hayes, Ryan Spooner, really, really propelled the offense. And I thought that they had a really tough three-game stretch at home. There were zeros across the board, zero goals, zero assists, zero points, all in the minus category. I thought it was tremendous to see that Jimmy Hayes and Ryan Spooner on a line together, playing well, putting numbers up on the stat sheet. And I wonder how the team would have played had they started with three games on the road. Yeah, well, is it, if they may have been better. That's off. an interesting question because I think the maybe the home ice got to them. They were nervous, jittery, 
granted their early on schedule was difficult. They're playing three playoff teams in a row with a brand new system put into play, new defensemen. Those first three games were tough, but I think getting on the road, talking it over with the coaches, having meetings on the plane, just bro just having just being just having like fun with the boys, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, um I think that's what was important and it kinda of helped them get into their next game for Saturday too. It gave them the confidence to get ready for Saturday. Right, well, so, when they play the Coyotes. Yes, and then the Coyote game, the Bruins come out. They actually trailed early on, and it was awesome to see the Bruins fight back and take control of that game. And when you think about it, and especially in that first period, they dominated this game. They really dominated, getting 43 shots on goal. So the Arizona's 23. That was really all about the Bruins' this game. Right, which I thought was awesome because the Bruins finally, like against Colorado, put together back-to-back solid efforts. Tyler Randall scored a second goal of his career in as a Bruin. Yeah, second goal in two games. Two goals, two games. Um, that's a big stat there. Not a bad way to start David, your career. David Krejci continued his four four game point streak at that point. He scored a goal as well. Krejci's really been helping the Bruins team out a lot. Last year when he was injured, I thought the Bruins missed him so much. And Martian, who returned from his concussion that he suffered against Montreal, we forgot to add that. My fault too. Um, he scored a shorthanded goal, assisted by Tommy Cross. Who also, that was first point, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, that was Tommy Cross's first point. It was Tommy Cross's debut game. Yeah, Tommy Cross, coming up from Providence College, played locally in Boston at Boston College. The, uh, Joe Morrow was put on the IR because he was sick. The Bruins needed a defenseman, and I thought Tommy Cross came in and played solid. No, and he did. No, he shows that he's going to be another good NHL defenseman as he develops. Right. The Bruins actually have sent him back down to the minors in Providence because they want him to get more games, more reps, and also with the return of Morrow now, Cross could play in Providence, and the Bruins want to keep Morrow. But getting getting back to the Coyotes, it was just great to see the Bruins fight. They went down early. They came back. They battled back. They they took control of the game. They held the lead for a while. It was just, that was the Bruins that I was hoping to see start the year. But, and there's always a but, what's been their nemesis this season so far? Giving up two goal leads. Absolutely. Which they managed to do. Yeah, so, it, yes, they did. Oh, man. The two goal lead thing's going to have me have a heart attack this year if the Bruins keep this up. But, like I said, though, it was good to see the Bruins fight back and take control of the game. They gave up a two, yeah. they gave up a two sorry, Jason, they gave up a two-goal lead to Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay just took it to them the rest of the game. So that's why I wanted to see the Bruins have some fight. You know what? They had dominated that game anyway, and, you know, it's going to become a eye-rolling thing when I say two-goal lead and the Bruins giving it up if the Bruins really continue this because this team's going to have to learn to fight. It's the way it is. But in the end, Patrice Bergeron scored two more power play goals and put it away. Right, and that's getting back to the power play. This is unbelievable. They're scoring a power play goal a night. No, they are. And you know what? It's it's great to see the dominance there. Um, you know, if anything, you want to see the real improvement when it comes to moving the puck and settling down and really just getting the power play to improve. But this has been a great improvement. I think that having Pasternak and Spooner and everybody in this lineup that's young, it's helped, it's given the team a different dynamic. Yeah, it has. And it's great to see the power play clicking because I think the power play is an asset. You have one more player than the other team. You need to capitalize on some of your power plays. 
And if you don't capitalize on your power plays, it's going to come back and bite you. That's what Montreal does to the Bruins all the time. They get a power play, usually the puck's in the back of the net. No, I agree. And that's usually the way it goes. But it was impressive to see them fight back. It was impressive to see them get that uh, winning streak really started. And if anything, they get a point streak per game now, the way that they're playing. So it's been really impressive. Yeah, and I agree. So it was good to see the Bruins come off that road trip with two wins in the win column. And like I said, the road trip helped up the Bruins. The Bruins settled down. They calmed themselves down. Got back to their winning ways. Got back to playing Bruins hockey. So the Bruins are coming back home now, two and three, and hosting the Philadelphia Flyers on rivalry night, NBC Sports. And this should have been a three-game winning streak the way the Bruins played. Should have. Should have been the key word. Should have been. The Bruins came out ready to go again. They played hard early. They fought. The Bruins had. They went down one nothing. I think they. I believe they went down two one. They fought back. They tied it. To, they tied it both times. The power play was working again. Bergeron was playing well, and the Brett Connolly scored. Yes, it was great to see Brett Connolly finally get on the board. His first goal as a Bruin. I feel like a, that was, was a long time was coming. That Bolesky was out. Yes, Bolesky was out with an apparent upper body injury. I'm still interested to see what that is or what happened to him or how he got it. But the Bruins have been pretty quiet on that front. But Brett Connolly jumped back into the lineup. Boom, first goal. Awesome to see. No, I agree. You know, it was great to see him score that goal. It was great to see him tie the game. A couple minutes later, the Flyers score, and Bruins go on a power play towards the end of the first period, and Bergeron scores again. Right, like I said, another power play goal. He needed the cap plus in the power play. That's what the Bruins did. So the Bruins went into the locker room 2-2. Two and then, boom, four to two. Bruins take they scored two more goals, take a four two lead up until the third period. As usual, but what's impressive about that was the fact that Chris Kelly's getting on the board. Jimmy Hayes got on the board again in that second period. Chris Kelly scored on that shorthanded goal. Right, and it's good to see that the third line is producing because the third line, like I said early on, was not producing. The Bruins need the third line to produce because they cannot rely just on Bergeron and Krejci all year. Spooner, Hayes, Kelly, they all need to chip in, and it's great to see that they are chipping in and helping out the offense. No, and I agree. You know, it's been impressive to watch. Um, but again, the third period hits, and what, did, what the heck has happened to this team? I remember saying two years ago when we had a Ginnah, the Bruins were a third period team. They would start off slow, and in the third period, they would come out and crush it. So I'm kind of sort of questioning what happened to them. I'm, I'm questioning what happened to Claude Julian with a two-goal lead. Usually when he's coaching with a two-goal lead, you can shut the game off because you know the Bruins are going to win. Granted, I would never do that because I, I need to watch it for my jobs and stuff. But in this podcast, but Claude Julian with a two-goal lead was always lights out. No, and you know, it's what made it's what gave the Bruins their identity in a way because, you know, from 2011 to 2014, that's just the way that the Bruins played. You have a two-goal lead. You have a defensive system. You should be able to keep it in the third period. Yeah, I agree. And it was frustrating that the Bruins gave up two goals, ran to overtime. Granted, they get a point, and then Claude Drew with an absolute rocket of a shot to win the game. But I'm gonna I'm gonna place a lot of the blame on Tuukka Rask, and rightfully you so. Know, he was horrible this game. You know, you're getting paid to 
be the starting goaltender, and you used to give up one or two goals a night, and this season coming out, you're giving up four goals a night on average. Absolutely, yeah, he's getting paid like a top five goalie, and he has not lived up to that right now. That contract looks think, horrible right now because of the way Tuukka Rask has played. I think it has a lot to do with effort from his yeah, part. Yeah, and Tuukka Rask, he just looks like he doesn't care sometimes. No, you know, it seems like he gives up a couple of goals and he just shuts down. Yeah, and that's not what you want from a goalie. And I don't, well, I'm not trying to compare him to Tim Thomas, but Tim Thomas was battling in the games, and every time he gave up a goal, he would do whatever it took to not give up another one. Even if the score, Tom- even if it was 4 nothing, Thomas was still competing and competing his butt off. Thomas was an unconventional goaltender, and you know what? He was solid in the end. He was what the Bruins needed to win that cup. Absolutely, and again, so switching gears here, the, the Bruins' last game we're going to discuss was against the Islanders in Brooklyn. I thought this was going to be a tough game for the Bruins. The Islanders are a strong team coming off the playoffs last year, and the Islanders are quick, they're fast. I thought the Bruins' defense would struggle, and the Bruins come out, get a victory against the Islanders, huh? Look at that. I know. What I was impressed with was Brett Connolly's first goal the Effort he put into that goal. That's a goal scorer's goal. What he did, you know, getting that loose puck from Martian and just burying it. That, that's, that's the effort what you want to see from a first round pick. That's the effort the Bruins needed. Where has that been all year? Connolly would not be denied that puck. He saw the loose puck, yeah, think, he got there, and he ripped it home. And I think that's what you saw after him getting scratched for those other couple of games. Yeah, he's that, hungry. That. that he wants to stay in this lineup. So if he wants to stay in this lineup, he's going to have to play hard. Yeah, it's so. two goals in two games. He's playing with Bergeron and Marchand right now. And I think he's playing great. And let's go back to your Ronaldo point from earlier. If Connolly continues playing hard, I think you can see the Bruins scratching Ronaldo and keeping Connolly in the lineup. Oh, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Ronaldo just brings nothing to the table for me. And I'm sorry if some Bruins fans like him. I just don't think Ronaldo brings anything to the table. No, I agree. I mean, Ronaldo's fast but he has to be able to learn to use the speed in the correct way. Yeah, but getting back to this Islanders game, it was just another. The Bruins fall behind again, but they fight their way back. They're fighting. They're, they're clawing. They're giving it their effort. It's. I remember me and you were talking last night preparing for this preparing for this show, and you were like, I don't know what's going on with this team because the Bruins scored first, go down 2-1. to one. Every time they seem to score a goal, they seem to give up the lead. Yeah, and then uh, you know, I was scratching my head at the end of the first period, and you know, the second period starts, and I'm still scratching my head, thinking, "Is this game going to become eventful at some point?" Um, and it did, but I think what really changed the complexion of the game was the fight between McQuaid and Martin after the Sezikas goal. Um, I think it was a rough, hard-hitting game, and I think that McQuaid did a good job of standing up for his teammates and. I think that kind of changed the game, the way that was played. Yeah, McQuaid's usually always good for that, sticking up for his teammates, giving the Bruins a spark. And I think it helped. Uh, Pashnik, I thought, had a beauty of a goal. It was in the slot. The puck was in his feet. He kicked it to himself, ripped it low blocker. I said, that's the skilled Pashnik we need. Him to put up goals, showcasing his ability. It was tremendous. And then another big point that I wanted to bring up was, uh, you know, Julian's in-game coaching. He decided to move Ryan Spooner down to the fourth line with Compiment. And, man, did that pay dividends. 
Yes, Companion and Spooner seem to have instant chemistry. They're out there buzzing together. No, yeah, Companion scored his first goal as a Bruins scored his first point. Um, his first NHL goal so overall, very, actually. Yeah, overall, in his first two points of his career. Um, so it was very impressive to see. Jonas Gustin started in goal again after Tukarask struggled against Philly. I want, I personally wanted to see Tukarask start this game, but Claude Julien went in a different direction. Gustafson played, and Gustafson held his own again. You know, he gave up those two goals in the first period, and he stayed strong. And you know what? I'm going to look at that hickey goal in the third period and say, whatever, because at that point the Bruins had already won. You're talking with a minute left to go in the game, hickey scores. And yeah, the Bruins, do they really the care? Bruins would have 5-2 at that point. I don't think I'm not going to get on them for that. Granted, the Bruins should have played full 60 minutes. You hate to give up a goal in the last minute. But like you said, it's not going to come back and bite them. So now, a lot to talk about with this Bruins team. They are 3-4 and four right now. They have all three wins on the road, all four losses at home. What in the world is going on with this? It's an upside-down world. It really is. Gold <laughs> Warriors, home woes. Yeah, um, but I think the Coyotes game is the game that they're going to win. That's going to probably break that home losing streak. They have to win that Coyotes game. Yeah, we'll look ahead to those games after. And I also wanted to ask you if you think there's a go- little bit of a goalie controversy here. Tukarask has been struggling. Every game he's played, the Bruins have given up three goals or more. Gustafson's 2-0. and They've given up two goals and three goals, respectively. I don't know. We have a little bit of controversy on our hands here. Gustafson's played solidly. And, um, you know, I was saying that even in the preseason, I liked Gustafson as a solid goaltender. Now, Gustafson played starter for Detroit. So he has the NHL experience. Yeah, he battled injuries last year, but you could use Gustafson as a starter. I don't really think it's going to be too much of a goalie battle. But, you know, if Rask doesn't step it up, I think it'll be an easy choice for the Bruins. Right, if the Bruins want to make the playoffs, ride the hot goalie. Right, and I like the Gustafson signing, too. When the Bruins brought him in for a tryout in training camp, he was one of my five players to watch in training camp. For my article here, it's com, And I just was just thrilled because I thought he would be the backup goalie the Bruins needed to help out Tuka Rask, give Tuka Rask a break where you can put Gustafson in and feel confident that you can still win. Where last year with Svedberg, I don't think the Bruins felt confident putting him in there. No, and I agree. I think Spedberg really struggled with confidence last year. I went to a couple of those games as well, and I think Spedberg started one of them against the Predators. The Bruins won, but he definitely didn't seem comfortable. Yeah, he, so it's good to see that Gustin is playing well, have a good backup goalie. The, the, the one, one of the best things is that the Bruins are playing well on the road. No, and you know... um. That's great to see, but can you expect the team to go undefeated on the road? No, so they're going to have to win some home games. Right, there's going to um, be, be some tough road games coming up where you can't just rely on solely playing on the road. Now they got a tough week ahead, All right. especially Friday and Saturday. Yes, yes, we'll get into that in a few. I want to transition here and discuss the Providence Bruins. Uh, lots of young players on this team that were at training camp for the Bruins a little bit. Providence has uh, struggled a little bit coming out of the gate, but there's a few points I wanted to talk to, uh, get to, actually, and I wanted to discuss Frankie Vetrano. I think Frank Vetrano had a great training camp. He was one of the eyebrow raisers in my eyes. He was quick. He had a great shot. He was moving the puck well, and he's going. he went back down to Providence, and he's lighting it up. 
And, you know, that's the one good thing about the Boston Bruins as an organization is the fact that they have been able to create organizational depth for years. Um, even when I was growing up, the Providence Bruins were always a really good team in the AHL, and that's because of the fact that the Bruins know, the Bruins know how to scout. And you're seeing that again right now this year with the team for the Providence Bruins that they have on the ice. Yeah, Toronto's a good player. A lot of talented players down there. Kokolchev's down there. Austin Zarnick's down there. So the Bruins have some young, solid players in Providence, and I think at some point, though, you have to decide which players you want to keep and which players you want to trade because they could get a lot of value in, like, Kokolchev or someone like that. No. And I agree. Um, You know, the Bruins have that depth, and that works only to their advantage. They might have had the had the uh, salary cap struggles, but with the depth they have in Providence, they can do whatever they want. Cause they, if the teams desire their players, it's going to work. Yeah, it should work. Um, the Bruins also have Zane McIntyre and P.K. Subban competing goalie down there, which I think is a very interesting... P.K. Subban, I think you mean Malcolm oh, Subban. Oh, Malcolm Subban, thank you. <laughs> thank you for correcting me. The brother. So, no, not a problem. Well, at least I had the last name right. So, I knew what you were going towards. Yes, I'm sure Bruins fans did too. So Malcolm Subban, excuse me, and McIntyre are both down there in Providence. They're both playing goalie down there, which I think is great because that way you get to have them compete against each other, showcase which goalie wants it more, who's better, and that way if you decide that you want to trade one of them down the road, you can have these Providence games to look to and say, Okay, I like McIntyre. I like Subban. Which one do you want? And I would keep McIntyre and get rid of Subban in a heartbeat. Right. So that's obviously your personal opinion. So I don't really know where I'm leaning right now. I still think I I need to see more from Subban before I say get rid of him. And I also think I need to see a little bit more of McIntyre before I'm fully on board thinking McIntyre is great. But um, Tommy Cross. And of the the, uh, two of them. I even, at this point, the way Rask has been playing, I'd be willing to throw Rask's name in there at this point. Yeah, it's actually a good point. Tuka Rask could also be one of the goalies mentioned in trade discussions. You could probably get Tuka Rask for a solid... You could probably get solid return for Tuka Rask, and you could just keep McIntyre and Subban, have them both come up together, play for the Bruins together, and like they could have a goalie competition while on the Bruins. You know, um, again, I think Tuka Rask contract is another big mistake of Peter Shirelli's to help cut Shirelli's job. Yeah, and um, that's what what can you do about that one? That's what Peter Shirelli did best. It was signed contracts with everyone, but I'm really impressed with this Frank Vitrano. I'm really impressed with Austin Zarnick. I think these both these two players will be in a Bruins lineup soon, maybe by next year. So, which is good because the Bruins needed that. The past few years, they haven't had young guys coming in and taking over spots. Obviously, with the exception of Pashnik and Spooner, the Bruins have really relied on the team they had in 2011, making minor changes here and there. So, it's good to see that Providence is developing players, and that's what they need. They need, to, they need Providence to develop players to help them succeed in the future. And that's the thing about Providence, which is very impressive, is because when people were talking about firing Claude Julian, they were they were in the back of their mind thinking maybe they would promote their coach that's out in the AHL. I don't remember his name at the moment. Bruce but, Cassidy. Um, yes, Cassidy. Okay. They were thinking about promoting him, and I think that if that were to happen, I think that would be a great idea. 
Yeah, I thought it would be a good idea too. Uh, one of my co-hosts, one of my the host for ESPN New Hampshire pregame that I do, Mike Grinnell, actually stated that he loves Cassidy as a coach. So a lot of people like Cassidy. But transitioning here into the Bruins' first-round draft picks and junior players, because they obviously they have the Providence Bruins players, and they also have players playing in juniors. And the first player I wanted to get to is Zach Sanishin. And I'm also getting all these stats and articles on CLNS website. We have a Bruins section where we have prospects report, Providence Bruins report, weekly reviews. I'm telling you, get to the CLNS radio site and get to look get to look at all these Bruins articles. They're great. So that's why I just wanted to give out a shout out there. And getting back to Sanishin, he was the 15th overall pick. Many were very surprised at this pick when the Bruins took him. I thought he had a good training camp. Even though he failed his he failed his conditioning test, all three of the first round picks did. So I wouldn't fault him too much. I thought he played well. He has had a great start so far in the OHL, which is the Ontario Hockey League. He's tallied six goals and three assists in ten games so far. So I think that's a good start. Nine points, ten games. That's what you're looking for when you're from your first round pick is a point per game. No, and that's what you want to see. And, you know, another show I want to bring up that I'll help promote because I think it's good for the Bruins was Behind the Bean. And you see a lot of the maturity from players like Sinitian, Zabrosk, uh, Zaboral, because you want to see your young players coming into work and focusing on growing and learning to get into NHL. And that's what I think you're going to see in these three rookies. Right. And uh, speaking of Zabrosk, Zabrosk also got sent back down to the WHL, DeBrusque was taken 14th overall, one pick in front of Sinitian. Uh DeBrusque has great scoring touch, great ability to, to score. He had 42 goals last year in 72 games in the WHL, and their Bruins are obviously hoping that he would continue to progress those numbers. So far through eight games, DeBrusque has four goals and seven assists, which is great because those are your two first-round forwards that you want to develop and put the puck on that that the Bruins are hoping, hopefully looking to do for depth and scoring. And this is what you're going to see develop over the next four or five years of these young players that are going to come in and play on this team. Um, you know, it's too early to think about what's going to happen with Bergeron as he gets older, but, you know, we do got to keep that in the back of our heads that eight, nine years down the road, Bergeron, Bergeron won't be on the Bruins. We will be talking about these kids constantly instead. Yeah, that's a good point there, and I want to transition here a little bit to the defense here. Uh, Brandon Carlo was the second-round pick by the Bruins that many thought was an absolute steal. Big body. He signed his entry-level contract, actually, with the Bruins. The Bruins put him back to the WHL to improve on his his talent, hone his skills, and so far he has one goal, six assists in seven games, and he's usually not even an offensive defenseman. So to see him put up some numbers there is great. You know, uh, and Carlo was another one who was a pretty good standout during the preseason, so he's another player I'd watch out for. I mean, you know, it's the benefit that the Bruins have if, say, Steinberg or somebody else struggles. They can bring in another player and give them that shot. You know, they're playing with a young team. They can do many different things, and they have many different options. And uh, getting to my last person I want to discuss in the junior ranks was Jeremy Lawson. He was also grabbed in the second round last year by Sweeney. I really liked this pick. He's playing in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League right now. He, I, I think he's just an all-around solid defenseman. He has two goals and 11 assists and 13, 13 points. So 
obviously he has 13 points early on in only eight games. That's big for a defenseman to have 13 points. He's physical. He has 14 penalty minutes. He's plus nine in eight games, which I think is incredible to have a defenseman be plus nine, which shows that he's out there for goals for. He's not giving up goals against, turning the puck over. He was just named the third star of the. He was named the third star of the week for September 28th through October 4th. I think Jeremy Lawson could be a great pick for the Bruins on defense. And um, you know, I haven't heard much about Lawson myself until just now, but um, I'm gonna have to do some research on him myself yeah. now that you bring it up. Um, right, look at what I think he's a great the, player. Based on the stats, you know, I say keep an eye out for him. Absolutely, and uh, I think he's gonna be a great pick. I think Lawson and Carlo are both two good defensemen that hopefully can correct the Bruins lineup soon. And uh, lastly, I just want to get to Daniel Vladar, the goalie that the Bruins selected in the third round of the 2015 draft. Yep. He's the Czech goalie here. He spent the last three seasons in, 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 in the Czech Republic at his home nation. And now he transitions to America. He's playing for the Chicago Steel of the United States Hockey League. In four starts, he's one and two. With a 2.48 goals against average and a 9.10 save percentage. He's allowed nine goals in four games. So I'll be interested to see how Vladair does in America. It's a different game. It's different. You said nine goals in ten games? Nine goals in four games. In four games. Okay. So. So, yes, it will be interesting to see how he develops. So I'm just. I'm just interested to see him and how he fares over in America. So he's the goalie I'm keeping my eye on. Yes, he's, I'm keeping my eye on. Right. No, I definitely would keep an eye out for those players. Um, I'm going to do my research on these players for our next podcast. Um, Absolutely. That would be great because I, I want to keep this uh, prospect segment going forward because it's always good to give the fans something to look forward to down the line. And also, don't and forget – sorry, Jason, to cut you off. Don't forget – that college hockey has started. The Bruins also have a ton of players that play college hockey. So it gives you an interest to look into the Canada leagues and into the college hockey ranks. And that's what I like about hockey. Is that you have many different leagues that these players go into. So you don't have just the Providence Bruins. You have other young players that are in different leagues. And it's great to see how these kids develop. And it's great to learn about these players and do the research on them. It makes it more enjoyable. Absolutely, and uh, speaking of the future here, what's, how about we get into what the, the look ahead for the Bruins? The Bruins have uh, some games coming up here, and I want to get your thoughts on Arizona on Tuesday. Arizona, the Bruins are going to win this game. They have to. It's not really a if, it's a, they, it's a must. I think it's a must, too. To, they've lost their first four home games to go 0-5 at home especially against a team like Arizona. Arizona's young and up-and-coming. I get it. They have some skill with Duclair, with Domi, with ekman Larson. But the Bruins should come out here and impose their will on this team. The Bruins should not lose this game. They did it in Arizona. They can do it at home. They have the uh, will of the fans to help them, too. Yes, the, so the Bruins need to play with more confidence at home. Right, and Claude Julien will get the matchups he wants. Hopefully, Tukaras can play. Hopefully, he plays. He settles down. He has a good game. Maybe he gets like a, a shutout or gives up one goal to get Tukaras going. And then the whole team should just be firing on, on all cylinders in this game. I don't see how Arizona could outpower the Bruins in this game. I just can't see it. Neither can I. And also, you know, 
And the other game this week is the game that I'm looking forward to, the Florida Panthers. I mean, you got Jonathan Huberdeau, Yarmir Yager, you got Sean Thornton on his team. You got a young team that plays really well. And you're going to see the Florida Panthers make the playoffs this year. I can guarantee it. Florida Panthers are young. They're young and skilled. And they have a vet, like you said, in Yager. And I think Yager is a... And they have Luongo in that. Absolutely. They have, they have a ton of young players, and they have veteran players. They have a good mix there. Like Yager, like Sean Thornton, Willie Mitchell, great veteran defenseman. They have Luongo in net. And plus, they have young guys. Aaron Ekblad, uh, Nick Bustad, they have Huberdeau, Barkoff, Quentin Howden, Connor Brickley. They are just loaded with young players. So I think that's going to be great matchup. Also, it's the return of Riley Smith playing against his former team. That's right. The uh, Riley Smith-Jimmy Hayes team, the trade comes back, you know. And that's what's going to make this such a good game to watch. Yes, it will be. A- now you're gonna see, you're gonna see who really won this trade in these games. Yeah, I think it will be interesting to see who comes out better and plays better. Uh, I was a big fan of the Riley Trist- Riley Smith trade. I did not like Riley Smith on this Bruins team. They got Jimmy Hayes back. Jimmy Hayes is starting to turn it around for the Bruins. He's been playing really well as of late. So it'll be interesting to see them two square off against one another. I liked Riley Smith. The first year he played with the Bruins. Uh, last year, I don't think that he really had what it took. No, last year he looked lost out there. There were reports coming out of the Bruins locker room that he was a loner. He didn't really like hang out with anyone. He was always quiet. And there was just a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff with him. So I'm not shedding a tear that he's gone. It will not affect me whatsoever. And it won't affect the team either, um, which is most important. Right, because I think Erickson and Connolly have both been playing great with Bergeron and Martian, and I think you can put anyone with Bergeron and Martian, and they'll do well, just because of how good Bergeron and Martian are. And it's because Bergeron's a leader, and Martian and Bergeron have had chemistry for years. And, you know, a lot of people have been calling to get Martian traded, but I'm saying, and I, I used to say it too, I wanted to see Martian get traded. Now I'm beginning to kind of rein back in a bit. I want to see what Martian can do now that he's fully healed. And I think that you need to give Martian a chance. Yeah, so it will be a fun week ahead for the Bruins. Um, and in, in other news, for the fans that are interested, the Bruins will be unveiling their Winter Classic jerseys. Oh, yes. On Saturday, 10-24. Yes, good point. It's another thing to look forward to for this Bruins is the Winter Classic. Obviously, everyone's fired up about that. It'll be great to see the, what the Bruins uniforms look like. Obviously, the last time they went with more of a yellow color when they played against the Flyers. So, I completely forgot about that, Jason. So, so thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the jerseys, jerseys look like. It'll be an exciting an exciting time because uh, most fans will go out immediately and buy the hockey jerseys. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, with me, I actually just customized, with my la- customized it with my last name on the jerseys. and so, Therefore, I can have a jersey of each one. Yeah, don't have to worry about which player I want. Yeah, that was a struggle was trying to find a player, huh? Yeah, I know, because you can find that player, and that player gets traded. Like, when Tyler Sagan became a Bruin, I bought his jersey, and he lasted a couple years. Yeah. So, I decided at that point, you know what, I was just going to buy the hockey jerseys, put my last name on them, and therefore I can have them for cute sakes. Yeah, I hear you. So, it's funny you mentioned Sagan, because uh, I want to get into our last segment of the show and just do a quick... Look around the NHL, if you don't mind me here doing that here, Jason. No, go for it, and I'll lead in. Of course, uh, Montreal off to a rocket hot start, eight and zero. 
They've won every game. Not even in over. Like I don't even think they've gone to overtime. They have just cruised through the first eight games. They have 30 goals for, nine against. They're five and zero on the road. Montreal is cruising. Yeah, uh, that's it's very interesting to see Montreal cruising because um, it's to be expected. They are a really, really good team. Yes, they do. And um, Washington, obviously with Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, they're out to a hot start. I think the biggest surprise there is Kuznetsov. Kuznetsov is a Russian center, backstrom start of the year, missing a couple games. They put Kuznetsov with Ovechkin, and Kuznetsov and Ovechkin have been lighting it up, but that's what you expected from Washington. No surprise there. You have the... You have the big-name teams leading the Eastern Conference, Montreal, Washington, Rangers, Tampa Bay, Islanders. The one team I'm very surprised about, though, is the Pittsburgh Penguins. They have struggled as of late. Sidney Crosby has not been playing that well. Phil Kessel has only has two goals. Granted, I know it's only seven games in, but the Penguins don't look as good as everyone thought they were going to be. You know, um, this is kind of where I just kind of sit back and watch what the Penguins do because... They fired Bosma and they got Kessel. Kessel doesn't work that well with teammates. Um, he doesn't put in the most the most effort. You saw it with the Bruins. You saw it with Toronto. So why would you expect it with Pittsburgh? Yeah, sure. If Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel will put up points together, but is it enough to actually help this team win? And then and the answer to that's no. All right. I don't trust Mark Andre Fleury as a goalie. We've seen his playoff experience there. And the other team in the Eastern Conference I wanted to get to was Columbus. Columbus is 0-8. They fired their coach already. They hired John Tortorella. This team was, <laughs> yeah, this team was projected to make the playoffs, and they're starting zero and eight. They're minus twenty two in goal differential. I don't know what's going on in Columbus. I have not a clue because they have young skilled players. Bobrovsky was a good goaltender, but he looks like he's lost it in that. In this is just a disaster in Columbus. Well, with Tortorella there, at least we know one thing. They're, they're just going to pack it in and play defense. Yeah, but hey, that's what they could use because they, they're they 0-8. They need a win. They're the only team in the NHL that doesn't have a point yet. Yeah, no, they need to win. They need to score as well to win. So yeah, I just, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what Tortorella does. If Tortorella has kind of changed since the last time he was in the NHL with the Rangers. Yeah, and just getting to the Western Conference, you obviously have the... The usual suspects in Nashville, St. Louis, Minnesota, Chicago, Winnipeg, Kings. Uh, I also I just wanted to get my biggest surprise in the Western Conference, the Dallas Stars. They're six and one right now. They're playing really well. Anti Niemi came over to start in goalie to help with, with to offset Kerry Lefkinen. The Stars look like a team to uh, a team to reckon with in the Western Conference. They got Sharp and Oduya from the Blackhawks. Spessa seems to be playing well. Dallas looks really good early on in the year. Now I think Dallas should be a surprise anyway. They showed that in flashes last year with Sagan and Ben being put together, and even Sagan's still lighting it up. And, uh, you know, you don't hear much about Dallas because we're up here in Boston, but you'll see Dallas for a while. I don't know how how far into the playoffs they'll go, but you will see them in the playoffs this year. Right, and the biggest surprise in the Western Conference, the Anaheim Ducks. The Anaheim Ducks just came off a heartbreaking Game 7 loss to the Chicago Blackhawks. That series was tremendous. It was up and down, back and forth. Anaheim was predicted to go to the Stanley Cup this year by many NHL experts. And through six games, the Anaheim Ducks are 1-4-1. One, one. 
They are in dead last in the Western Conference, 14 out of 14. And just above them is Calgary. So I think these two teams both made the playoffs last year. They played each other in the second round. And it's I just don't know what happened. Granted, everyone goes through tough stretches. of, But usually the fall behind early on in the year is not a good sign. You see in these teams that go to the conference finals in the Stanley Cup, they, they start they have those times in the season where they start off very slow. And as the season progresses, they get their legs under them. Something tells me that's what's happening with Anaheim. That they're having a slow start, but they will eventually figure it out figure it out towards the end of towards about the midpoint of the season, probably November, they'll get their legs under them. They'll start getting consistent again. Don't rule Anaheim out just yet. Yeah, and I, I think Anaheim will come to play eventually too, but it's just surprising to see how bad, not how bad, but with their record right now, they, they're they just losing games. You know, I, I think of this, I think when I look at the standings right now, um, it's, um, but, you know, I forgot, I lost what I was going to say. That's all right, so yeah, and, and I'm in Calgary, in Colorado, all three teams that have been that have made the playoffs before. Colorado obviously had a bad year last year, but two years ago they were in the playoffs. These are the three bottom teams in the Western Conference, and I just think it's surprising. Yeah, and you know, I keep I keep in mind it's only October. That's what I was going to say, say before. It's only October. Um, we still got a long season ahead. Yeah, we do. And um, speaking of a long season, I think this is going to wrap up our. Uh, our Bruins Beat podcast here for the for the week. We'll uh, get back to doing this every week. This is a good start for us. Um, I think we're gonna get try and get more fan involvement involved with Twitter questions, stuff along the lines. Me and Jason have a lot planned for the show. Very excited to uh, talk about Bruins with you for the rest of the season, Jason. And I agree, you know, um, I think that we got a lot to do, um, lots, I have, a, I have a lot to learn when it comes to podcasting, so I know that I'm going to develop that comfort as the season moves forward, so I hope that the fans can bear with me. Um, but, you know, I want to get the fans involved. My Twitter account is at JasonBuckley91, um, and, you know, I want to get the fans involved. And also, before we cut it out, I want to add in another small note that we left out. Last night was Chara's 1,200th game played. Oh, it's a good milestone for Chara. He's played a lot of games. Yeah, no, he, uh, I, uh, I remember hearing that on nothing yesterday. I wanted to make sure that I, I added that in there for the fans. That's um, absolutely. Good Good note there, Jason. And um, so like I said, we have to go. My Twitter handle is at MikeSetta22, M-I-K-E-S-E-T-T-A-22. Uh, follow me, Jason or I, for great Bruins news. Also, Go to clnsradio.com. There is Bruins articles everywhere. There's also Red Sox, Patriots, Celtics, whatever you need. CLNS has it. Uh, this is Bruins Beat, and I'm Michael Sadapani, along with Jason Buckley. Look forward to getting the show on the road. <laughs>